tonight we are diving into the next fruit of the Spirit, or next two actually, kindness and goodness. Oh, kindness and goodness. And that's where we're headed tonight. I want to take a minute and just kind of review some of the, some of the things that we have talked about. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, I would love for you to open up to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. It's in the New Testament. Uh, It's one of Paul's letters, and uh, Galatians chapter 5. And that is where our theme for this series, Walk in the Spirit, that's the verse where it comes from. Of course, we believe that God's Word is, is true. We believe God's Word and what it says is right for us. And so we study it, we dig into it, and we let God's Word, we let the Bible teach us during our times that we're here together. I know we have a lot of guests, a lot of visitors here tonight, and I'm genuinely thankful that you're here. But when we jump into this moment, we really think that God's Word needs to speak. And so that's kind of where we, it's all business for the next probably 30 minutes. And so um, here we go. We're Just a little review, uh, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. I'm going to read the whole thing in context, just so that we get a good picture of what Paul's trying to encourage the Galatian church. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh literally is like a sinful life. But if we walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are in opposition to one another. In order to keep you from doing good, doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident... Which are, these are the evil fleshly desires Paul talks about. It says sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. Oh my gosh, this list is long. Drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Of which I warn you. Just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's pretty strong. And he goes through this whole list of things that are in the flesh. And he says, hey, these things are no bueno. But then he gives us some hope. And he says, but on the other side of that, look in verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, and this is what we've been studying, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against, against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with his passions and its desires. Y'all, Paul gives us this great list. It's one of the greatest lists in scripture. He gives us a list of the things that are evil and fleshly, but then he also gives us a list of the things that are godly, the things that we should desire for those who are believers in Christ, that this is what we ought to be like. And as we've been studying through the fruit of the Spirit, we learned that love is at the very heart, the very beginning of the list. And I think Paul put it there on purpose because love is really what encapsulates all of this. And it's not just, um, it's not like a romantic kind of love that he's talking about. He's actually talking about a deep, unconditional love that no matter who you are, where you go, what walk of life you are, I love you because God loves you. And so we understand that these fruits, the fruit of the Spirit, it's kind of cool that it's singular, that it really is something that has grown internally. If you were here a part of week one, you saw that had the illustration of the Christmas tree versus the orchid. Do you remember that illustration, some of you who are in the room? 
Literally this living, amazing, beautiful orchid who has started with a seed and is now growing into this beautiful flower. And it really is a representation of what God is doing in us. If the seed of the Spirit is in us, that means the seed of God's Word is in us, the Spirit of God is in us, then what's going to grow out of us is going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, still self-control. These things are going to grow out of us. The fruits of the Spirit are not like a Christmas tree that's dead. It's a dead Christmas tree, right? And we just kind of adorn it to make it look pretty. And that is not the kind of life that God wants to create and do in us. He just doesn't want us to be a Christmas tree decorated with nice ornaments. He wants to do something in us and grow it naturally in us. And that's the picture that Paul's trying to paint for all of us, that the Spirit of God is going to move in us, and it's going, what's going to happen is what's going to come out of my life, not that something I would just put on. It's not like one day I wake up and I go, you know what, I'm going to love today. <laughs> Let's, let me take that out of the closet. I'm going to put love on. You know, it's almost like a t-shirt. So I'm going to love today. No, 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 not today. It's going to be uh, joy. Let's put joy on. No, that's not how it works. As God works within us, what comes naturally out of the believer in Christ is going to be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I'm getting really good at saying that fast. So, um, so that's kind of the big picture here. And that all of the fruit that's on this list is really in the character and the nature of God. It makes up who he is. So literally God dwelling within us and God coming out of us. That's kind of a cool thought to think. Um, and then the last week, uh, Bessel talked about peace and how we have peace in knowing God and confidence in that we are a child of God. And that's where the peace comes from in our life. That we understand that my eternity is sealed in Jesus Christ and I can have peace in my life. And then he also talked about how patience is not very easy to learn because it takes time. You just not wake up one day and go, I'm patient. That's not how patience works. Patience is something that we learn and we grow over time. And many of us don't know how to wait. If not, all of us don't know how to wait, right? <laughs> I'm a horrible waiter, right? I, if, I, if I want something, I Google it and I find out where it is, right? And I can go straight to it. But that's not how patience works. Patience is grown over time. And we learn that um, over time. So uh, this week we're jumping into kindness and goodness. Does anybody know what the motto of Seven Brew is? Has anybody, does anybody go to Seven Brew? Am I the only one? All right. Um, I'm, I'm a Seven Brew-holic. I went there this morning. I had their house blend. Might I recommend. It's really good. Uh, but typically I get a Blondie or a Smooth Seven. Those are kind of my, I go back and forth there. Um, I have the Blueberry uh, fizz with cream. That is pretty, bu- you're at Starbucks. Uh, I thought you had seven brew right there. <laughs> oh, it's Duncan. Oh, I don't know about that. That's all right. Um, does anybody have seven brew in the room? Does anybody have a seven brew in the room? Okay. Does anybody know what the motto of seven brew is? What is it, Nick? You have no idea? Okay. You're just going to guess it. <laughs> this is crazy. It's going to blow your mind. What is it, Bella? Cultivating kindness. Okay? I, when I found this out, I was like, this is going to preach. This is so good because I knew kindness was coming and I found out and I was like, this is amazing. And if you really think about it, when you go to Seven Brew, 
You drive around the building. Usually somebody will greet you, depending on the line, right? Somebody will greet you. And when they're taking their, your order, they're not only just finding out the order, but they're, sometimes they have a question of the day. How many of you have been asked the question of the day by the seven group people? Right, right. Um, and you pull up, and they, I, I know they can make coffee faster. Like, I know that that's probably a thing that they can do pretty rapidly. I don't think it takes much to make a blueberry or raspberry fizz with cream. It doesn't take that long. But here's what happens is when you pull up under the awning there, somebody will stand there and talk to you the entire time while you're sitting there waiting on your drink. Like, and I'm sitting there thinking, if there's ever a moment to cultivate kindness, it's by having just, just a genuine conversation back and forth. And I have enjoyed getting to know some of the people that I, I mean that I have a chance to talk to. And I'm like, this is so kind of them that they would want to at least try to have a conversation with me. Now, sometimes it goes by fast. And you know what? Sometimes we roll the window up and we want to talk to people. Now, is that kind? Anyway, um, and so we, you know, there is something about Seven Brew, one, that I like their drinks, but like also like their atmosphere that, that goes along with it. Now, here's another very popular restaurant you guys go to, I know you go to, and it's Chick-fil-A, right? So when you roll into Chick-fil-A, what do you expect to have? What is your experience like when you roll into Chick-fil-A? My pleasure, right? Some of you are going to go to Chick-fil-A tonight. You're going to hit that up. And it's pretty much a Wednesday tradition for a lot of people, right? (laughs) You know? You expect good chicken, right? Like you expect a good experience there. They do chicken like nobody else. They have people that, you know, my pleasure. They are, they are, here's what I know about Chick-fil-A. They are good at what they do. When the mac and cheese came out, I thought, you know, how in the world can fast food make mac and cheese good? Well, guess what? Chick-fil-A did it. Like, really, when it first came out, I was like, this is amazing, right? It was really genuinely good mac and cheese. Like, they actually have real cheese on the top, right? This is not fast food cheese, but it's at a fast food restaurant. And so one of the things I think about is that Chick-fil-A is good. And so when I walk into a Chick-fil-A experience, I expect something to be good. Just like when I roll into Seven Brew, I expect... To someone to talk to me. There's just something about when I figure it out, I kind of come to expect it. Now, here's another environment that we find ourselves in a lot, and it's church. When we come to church, what do you expect the atmosphere to be like? And the crowd goes silent. <laughs> you expect the church, one, to love, right? To love well. Uh, you expect the church to have joy. You, you see where I'm getting here? You expect the church to have peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Here's, here's my point with all of these three different environments. We expect something when we walk in the door. Whether it's fair or unfair, Many times when we meet believers, we meet Christians, there's when we, especially when we find out that they are a Christian, what happens? There's usually an expectation we have about that person. 
we expect them to actually, if you're going to be a Christian, that you would actually, like, like your words would be different. Like you would treat people differently. But here's what's honestly sad about the whole thing. That's not necessarily true in a lot of cases. And a lot of times when we interact with different, yes, this is a Jesus juke, but many times when we walk into the doors of a church, we don't get what we experience or we expect, and it turns us off and we never come back. And that, in my opinion, as being a pastor of a church, that's really sad because I believe that church should be and ought to be a place where people do feel loved. And I, and I think that it's a place where people would experience the kindness of God. They would experience the goodness of God. And that should be a fair expectation. It's not unfair. It's a fair expectation of the environments that I walk in. I expect when I walk up to a Chick-fil-A employee and I look them in the eye and say, thank you very much, I expect them to say what? My pleasure. I don't think it's an unfair expectation, is it? And here's what's funny. When they don't do it, what do we do? Oh, they didn't say it. Oh, they're in trouble, you know? Guys, my point here is that those who are walking in the Spirit, and I'm saying those who are believers in Christ, the expectation of those around you, whether it's fair or unfair, right or not right, if you are truly a believer of Christ and you have surrendered your heart and your life to Him, then I think and I believe that it is a fair expectation of the people around you that you would really live up to what that means. And how does that happen? It doesn't happen by just putting on love. It doesn't happen just by putting on joy. And I perform for all the people around me. Some of us are performing Christians. Some of us are. No, that's not how it happens. If I truly want to reflect Christ and I truly want to walk in the Spirit, then I need to fully surrender my heart and my life to Christ and allow Him, the Spirit at work in me, to come out. It comes out that way. It's not a performance, guys. That's not what Christianity is about. And many of us have been tricked and fooled to believe that that's what it is. But that's not right. I'm sorry I Jesus juked you in the first 10 minutes of this sermon. But here we go. And this is what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about two really crucial and important, I think, fruits for the believer to understand and to know. What is kindness? When Paul talks about, hey, it needs to be kindness that comes out of you. It really is the simple definition is it's a state of being kind. And here's the cool thing, and I'll walk you through the four points. Ready? Here's the first one. Kindness is an internal disposition. Kindness is an internal disposition. That means it's in here, like it's deep within you. Where kindness comes from is not that you automatically think, oh, I need to be kind here. No, there's something in you, inside of you, that says, I need to treat the people around me with kindness. I need to be kind, not just in one moment, but I need to be kind in every moment. And I need to be kind, not just when people are kind to me, I need to be kind even when they're not. That's because it's internal, not something external. And so when 
when Paul's talking about this, and even you, I'm fixing to show you a couple of different passages in Scripture where kindness is, is talked about, every single time it comes from a moment where God is kind to you. He's kind to you not just once. He's kind to you all the time. Even when you are running in rebellion, even when you have disgraced the family name, even when you're embracing sin and evil in your life, guess what? He is still kind all the time. It's in his nature. It's in who he is. This is the God that we serve. This is the God who absolutely loves you, is that he is so kind to you. He is not pushing you off to the side. He is not turning his back on you. He is not judging you. He is not sitting with his finger pointing at you. No, 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 no. That's not the God we know of the Bible. The God we know of the Bible that simply looks at every one of us and our intentions and who we are and where we state, and he still loves and he's still kind to be there for you all the time. That blows my mind. <laughs> Honestly, that blows my mind that that is who God is. So kindness is an internal disposition. Kindness displays the character of God. When we are kind to other people, it is the very nature of God that's coming out of us. That's amazing. Kindness displays the character of God. To be kind to all people. His kindness is not predicated upon what our response or not response is. I'm going to say that again because it's really good. His kindness toward us is not predicated upon, in other words, it doesn't determine it, is not predicated upon what our response to him is. We could reject him, we could rebel, we could do all those things. That's not going to change his mind about you. He is kind. And you know what? When we come to grips with that, it changes our hearts. When I realize that no matter what I do or where I go, he is still kind to me, that ought to stop us in our tracks. And the realization that, golly, this guy, he really loves me. He loves me so much that he'll pursue me even when I'm running away. This is an amazing God. This is a God like no other. He is genuinely kind to you. Romans 2 Verses 1 through 4 says it this way. Paul talks about it. He says, Therefore you have no excuse, you foolish person. Every one of you who passes judgment, for in fact, for in that matter in which you judge someone else, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. So in other words, don't be judging people because you know it. You know, game represents game or game sees game. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this foolish person who passes judgment on those who practice such things and yet does them as well that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and restraint and patience towards you, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to what? Say it again, repentance. I'm going to talk about repentance here in just a minute. But the kindness of God, when you realize that what he has done for you and what he is pursuing you with, the love, the kindness, like his nature, he's coming after you. 
And he's coming after you with full force. And he's not going to hold anything back. None of his character, he's going to hold it back from you. And when you realize that, and you see yourself in the midst of rebellion and sin and wickedness, when you understand the pursuit of God over you, it stops you in your tracks. And you just can't help but to look back and see him. And you see the love that he has for you. And you see the compassion he has for you and his willingness to forgive you at any given moment. Doesn't matter how fast you're running. Doesn't matter how far you've gone. You may be thinking, Steve, there's no way that God could love me. I beg to differ. You don't know the God that I know of the Bible. He absolutely loves you. And his kindness and his pursuit of you will lead you to repentance. Here's the cool thing. Kindness has no favorites. Kindness has no favorites. There's compassion for all in God. There's empathy for all. There's love for all. There's no hatred or revenge. Now, to be honest with you, that is a foreign concept in our culture. Our culture plays favorites all the time. If you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. If you're kind to me, I'll be kind to you. If you're unkind, guess what? Cancel. I'm going to do everything I can to push you away, and I'm going to dog you until you disappear. That is our culture. If you mess up one time, one time, what does culture do? Dismiss. Dismiss. Here's the thing about the kindness of God. He plays no favorites. He doesn't pick and choose. His kindness is toward every one of you in this room and every one of you outside this room. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. Kindness, here's the other thing. Kindness changes the atmosphere of our relationships. It changes the atmosphere of our relationships. Here's what's wild to us. If a believer in Christ truly is expressing kindness, is truly going after being kind to all people, it is so revolutionary, so revolutionary to those who see it. And when you find someone who truly is kind, oh, they're attractive. And I'm not saying like by beauty. I'm saying attractive like you want to hang out with them. Like you're like, I want to hang out with that person because they are just so genuinely kind to me. They're accepting of me. They, I, I feel love when I'm with them. Kindness is attractive. When you lead with kindness, it diffuses evil. Let me say that again. When you lead with kindness in your relationships, it diffuses the evil that's there. That's wild. I've said that 30 times already. When things are toxic in your relationships with others and unkind, no one wants to be around it. When you find out that you're a toxic friend or you find out there's some toxicity about that person or whatever, they're unkind or they're just bitter all the time or yada, yada, nobody really wants to be around that person. Kindness is so revolutionary to our culture. And I, 
I pray that some of us would realize maybe in our relationships and the people around us, we haven't been reflecting God's kindness to the people around us. And I, and I really pray, I'm, I genuinely prayed, I, I, twice today I've prayed this prayer. Lord, would you convict some students who have been unkind? Would you be convicted by this? And to realize that the people around me, doesn't matter who it is, I've been unkind to them. Maybe it's to a parent. Maybe it's to a friend. Maybe it's to, I don't know, the seven brew person. Like, uh, you know, the employee. Or maybe you've been unkind. And I pray that, especially for our believers in the room, I pray that you would really understand that how you treat people is a direct reflection of the character of God. And what's growing in me ought to be kindness. So let's talk about kindness. Kindness is that internal. Goodness, on the other hand, is external. Goodness is an external exposition or um, disposition. Uh, there is a, a phrase that we toss around church a lot, and here's the phrase: God is good all the time. Some of you know it all the time. God is good. Let's all say. I'm gonna say it. God is good all the time. That's right. We t- you toss around churches a lot, you're going to find that that's one of those uh, phrases that you hear all the time. God is good all the time. God is good. Amen. All the time, God is good. Um, here's the thing. Um, when we think about the goodness of God, doing good is a God thing. That's the first blank. Doing good is a God thing. What God does is good. And here's what's crazy. Everything that God does is good. It even started at the garden when he created all things. Every time he created, at the end of every day, the first six days, at the end of every day, what was the phrase we read in Genesis 1? When he created the stars and the light, what did he say? It is good. When he created the sea and the animals and the fish in the sea, he said, it is good. And then when he created you and me, what did he say? It is very good. Everything that God does is good. Even in creating you. When he created you, with all of your quirks, he knows all the hairs on your head. He knows all the things that are going on. He knows all the situations. And when he created you, he said, very good. That's amazing to me. There's a God who loves me so much. Psalm 145, if you have a Bible, flip over to Psalm 145. I don't have it on the screen, but I want to read you just a part. David's talking about the goodness of God here in Psalm 145, starting in verse 8. And I'll just read it to you. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and great in in faithful love. This is the part I want to get in verse 9. The Lord is good to everyone. His compassion rests on all he has made. Y'all, that's me and you. That's me and you. His compassion rests on me and you. God is good. All 
you have made will thank you, Lord. The godly will praise you. They will speak of the glory of the kingdom. They will declare your might, informing all people of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your rule is for all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all of his actions. Basically what this is, is really goodness is an expression of our words and our hands. It's our deeds. It's the places that we, things that we do. Just like what God did with his hands was good. The things that we do with our hands need to be good. This is the goodness of God. When we see someone who's struggling, the goodness thing or the good thing to do is to what? Help them, to do something for them. I have a good friend of mine. Well, the next point is, we know what good is. We know what good is. I'm going to explain this, all right? Simple illustration. How do you know what is good and what is not? This is a very loaded question. Are energy drinks good for us? I'm going to drink water. <laughs> Here's another question. I know that was loaded. I know that was loaded. Here's another question. <laughs> Is water bad for us? <laughs> Maybe only if it's contaminated. But I could say an energy drink is contaminated too. Here's another question. This is this okay, this is another question. Uh, is murder good? Here's my point. Here's my point. <laughs> You're like, Steve, that was so loaded. It really was. And it really was loaded on purpose. Because here's the reality. I think many of us, if not all of us, understand what is good and what is not. All of us understand it. We understand. We know full well that the very second that we use our tongue to tear down someone, whether it be verbally in front of them or online, on the socials, whatever. If we do that in us, we know that what we are doing is not good. We know it, but yet we still choose to do it anyway. Many times we justify our actions. We're really good justifiers, but in our hearts, we know exactly what is good and what is not. We know what it's like to actually love someone by doing good works for them. Like we want to express goodness by the things that we do for them. If they're struggling, if they're hurting, we actually use our hands and our words to encourage and to empower and to come alongside. Y'all, that's good. That's good. And we know that's good. But so many times, we don't have anything to do with goodness. It's hard. This is point number three there. It's hard to do good sometimes. And I think we can get an amen there. It's hard. Nobody said that doing good things was easy. It's hard sometimes. Y'all remember the snow week, the snow apocalypse? I was out in my Jeep every single day, pretty much. I think there was one day I didn't get out. But I was out, and I was driving down Highway 64. It's a big four lane, but obviously it was down to one. Well, one on one side, one on the other. 
And it was not like it was cleared, you know what I mean? It was very iced over. And I'm coming down, and there's a car smack dab in the middle of Highway 64. And got his flashers on, and all the cars behind him were coming up and like going around into the sliding around him and getting it back. And I was like, bro, you as I'm walking up, I was like, or driving up in the Jeep, I was like, dude, you can't, you can't do this. Like, this is, and so I pulled up next to him in the kind of the center lane. I pulled up next to him. I rolled down the window. I said, bro, you need some help? He goes, yeah, that'd be great. And so I pulled the Jeep up in front of him. And I, and as I pull it around the front of the car, the car is like dented in. Like it is, like it's, it's got a V in the front of it. It's almost like he ran into like a pole or something. And the front of it is dented in. And you could see the radiator, all the front end of the engine, like it was bad. Like it, and I was like, man, dude, you're toast, man. You know, and I was like, hey, do you want me to pull you out of the road? Because you're smack dab in the road. He says, man, that would be great. That'd be awesome. So I open up the Jeep and I grab the, the tow rope and I'm walking back to his car and I'm on my knees in the middle of Highway 64 and I get up underneath there and I cannot find the axle. Like I'm underneath the car and it's about this high off the ground and I'm trying to get under the axle, the tow rope, at least to try to hook it on there. And I can't, I mean, I'm like, there's not a tow point on the front of his car because it's dented in. And I rolled back to the guy and I said, man, I can't, I can't get to it. He says, yeah, I keep getting a low power thing, right? And I'm like, low power, that, that doesn't, that's not something the car does. Like, you know, <laughs> and I was like, are you sure about that? And he goes, let me try it. He turns it, the key over, it cranks up and he just drives off. And I'm standing there in 64. There was no like, thank you. There was no like, peace. There was none like, it just literally, I'm like this. And he cranks it up, drive. Boom. I'm like, what just happened? I'm trying to do good. I'm trying. It's hard. You know, I'm like, bro, you just, okay. So I'm, I'm literally in 60, middle of 64 in the Jeep. I'm putting the tow road back up in there, you know, and I hop back up in there and, and, and drive on home. But I'm like, it's so hard to do good. Like it's genuinely hard to do good. You know, I had a, a dear friend of mine back in 2018. His name was Wesley. And Wesley was a student in our ministry. Um, and some of you may have heard this story before, but Wesley was one of those guys, just larger than life, big personality, just loved his friends really well. But he was diagnosed with brain cancer. He was, mm, I think at the time, 15. Yeah, he hadn't quite got his driver's license. He was hoping he could get it, and he never did. But he was back and forth um, to St. Jude, different places to try to get the treatment. He had several surgeries to remove the tumor, but it was just fast growing. And in his last days, I had the opportunity to go to his house and just hang out with him for a little bit. And I shot a video. I shot a video and I simply asked Wesley, I said, hey, Wesley, if you had to encourage your friends, what would you say to them? And this is what he said. I'm going to show you the video. What no. encouragement would you say to these guys that are watching the video right now? What would you say? Be good. Be good. That's awesome. Say bye, Wesley. Bye. <laughs> I don't know what caused him to use that phrase. Be good. Maybe it's because some of his friends that were watching were knuckleheads. Maybe. But here's the thing, I had the opportunity while he was in the hospital in his last days, I went to the hospital every single day. 
And I read a verse of scripture over him, a whole chapter, Psalm 34. And the phrase, do good, is repeated, I think, three times in that chapter. And that became literally the mantra of Wesley's family. And they created, after his death, after his passing, they created a, what the, they call the Wesley Warriors Foundation. And the phrase that they used as their motto is, guess what? Be good. Be good. Y'all, I think some of us in this room know people who are not good. And I think some of us would honestly say, some to our friends, if we had the brave, you know, the courage to say it, hey, why don't you just be good? Be good. I don't think there's anything wrong with being good. Do you? Is there anything wrong with being good? And so the, the challenging question is, if that's true, then why do we not do it? If it's the right thing to do, then why do we not do it? Here's the thing. We know what's right. We know what's good. We know what's right. We know what is good. And we, we just don't do it. And honestly, every one of us are guilty of that. We come up to every and any situation, and we have a choice in every situation, whether we're going to be good or we're not. Are we going to do something to honor somebody or we're not? Are we going to do something with our hands to actually be good and to do good or we're not? Some of us, many of us, just don't want to give the time of day to some people. And in that, you are unkind and not good. And yes, this is very convicting. And yes, what I'm saying is very contrary to what you have grown up, especially in this culture. Because in this culture, it simply says, if they're not good to you, then you don't do good to them. If they wrong you, then you wrong them. If they say something you don't like, then you cancel them. Our culture is all about revenge, and this is not the character of God. He is not in judgment of you, y'all. Some of you are thinking, well, God judges me. for No, he's not judging you. In his kindness, he's pursuing you. In his goodness, he's done something for you. Jesus' death on the cross, y'all, that's good. Jesus buried three days later, later. That was good. And up from the grave, he rose. And that was amazing. And then one day he's coming back and it's going to be glorious. Every one of those acts are good on our behalf. What God has done for us is good. It is right. What he has done for us in sending his one and only son is exactly right. We need the gospel. We need to experience the goodness of God in our life. And goodness, and the last point, goodness, and I'm wrapping it up, goodness is not always received well. It's not always received well. When you try to do something good, sometimes the people don't understand it. It's not always received well. But that does not prevent us from still doing good. Oh, they're not gonna, they're not gonna like it. So what? It doesn't matter. Because they need to experience goodness just as much as you want to experience goodness. And we have the goodness of God to give away to so many people. 
Ooh, this is good. Final thought, and I'm done. Is the Spirit of God taking root in your life? I want you to ask that question. Is the Spirit of God taking root in your life? Three very poignant questions, and then I'm going to share the gospel. Does your lack of kindness bother you? Does your lack of kindness bother you? Is the Spirit of God taking root in your life? Do your harsh words bother you? Because we all say them. We do. Does it bother you? Because then the Spirit of God is taking root. How you talk about people when they are not present express your love for them. I'm going to say that one again. How you talk about people when they're not in front of you, does it express your love of them? If that's true, the Spirit of God is taking root in your heart and in your life. Y'all, how you treat people matters. How you treat your friend matters. How you treat a perfectly good stranger matters. Are you kind to them? Are you willing to do something good for them? At least say hi, right? Isn't that kind? Just to say hi to them? Don't judge them by what they look like. Oh, we're guilty there, aren't we? Be kind to them. For it is the love of God that is moving through you. It's the Spirit of God that's moving through you. Those people need to experience the kindness of God, and He gets it, and they experience it through you and through me. That's the fruit of the Spirit welling up within us.